just to take a minute and just look around because this is what church would look like if we only had one service. Just, just go ahead and look around. It looks pretty cool. But if you had to put up with this kind of parking every Sunday, it would get old. This really does look cool. So I, it, normally I have to, it's got to be Easter or Christmas for like this. And so I'm feeling excited. My name is Doug DeMint, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we asked our children downstairs if they would be willing to give us ideas of what the new church building plans should look like. And so I ended up with a stack of posters, and I wanted to just share a, a, a couple of them with you. Uh, I, I recognize you're not going to be able to see this, so let me try to explain it. This little place right over here is the church sanctuary, and all the rest of this is kids' church. <laughs> This little building right over here is the new church, and all the rest of this is playground. <laughs> and in the middle of the playground, they have a spinny pizza maker. <laughs> Slides. They went into great detail of the big swings. This one here is obviously a child that has grown up in the Syracuse area because they have this over here, the children's area and the sanctuary, the kids' church, the cafe, and then right outdoors they have a sledding area. <laughs> I thought that's, that's pretty good. This one, however, this one might, might be my favorite one. In our church we have a stage and a pool with a diving board. That would make water baptisms a whole lot more exciting. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. How interesting that would be is if we had to say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit while they're in the air before they hit the water. <laughs> this is the last in the series that we've had for the past five weeks on a glorious future. And today I want to share with you for just a few minutes about we were created to do more than ever. Now, for those of you, how many of you brought your booklets with you every week? Let me just see the hands. Wow, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. How many of you lost them right after the first week? I'm proud of your honesty. You can turn to page 17 because there is a place for you to begin to jot down some notes so that you can kind of keep things together as to the outlines that we've had and some of the notes from the previous messages. I'm going to ask that you would turn back to Jack, uh, Jeremiah 29:11. We have had this as our theme verse throughout this entire series, and there's so much there, and I want to conclude this part today. Jeremiah 29:11 says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a glorious future. How many of you are glad that God has a future for you? Heavenly Father, there is an atmosphere of pure excitement today. And it's as a result of the fact that you are here and that you're leading us. And as you guide us, you already know what you want to accomplish and how you want to accomplish it. And so today, we simply yield to the fact that you have plans for us and they include a glorious future by which we get to take part in obedience to you. 
And so, Father, I ask that over these next few moments and as we are led into that place where we take our part of what you want to accomplish, I ask that you by your spirit would have access to the recesses of our soul and our hearts and our minds that perhaps we've not given you access to before. And that as we yield to you, you will bring forth greater things than we've ever seen before. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We were created to do more than ever. I don't know about you, but I become rather enthusiastic when I think about the fact that my future has been planned by the creator of the universe. Now, I recognize most of you that are parents, you know, as your children go up, you have plans for them, and oftentimes you, you kind of mold them and direct them in the ways, and you talk about some of the goals you have, and, and at some point, the kids get old enough to either look at you and say, yes, I believe that's what I want to do, or they look at you and say, no, I want to go a different direction that leads to various stages of happiness or disappointment. But I want you to know today that God has plans for our future, and because he's the creator of the universe, the possibilities and the resources to bring them to pass within our life are limitless. His ability to create and resource our future is abundantly greater than our ability to even dream about our own future. I don't know about you, but that makes me pretty excited that he's got great plans for us. One of the things I'd like you to jot down this morning, first of all, in your notes is this, the first point, you are called to greater things. You are called to greater things. I'm going to have you turn to 1 John, and, and let me give you a quick snapshot of what's happening within this, this, this first chapter, not 1 John, but the first chapter of John. And Jesus, at the end of this chapter, is talking to Nathaniel. Now, Jesus and Nathaniel had never met personally before, and so Jesus walks up to him, and out of the blue, Jesus starts telling Nathaniel things about Nathaniel that only Nathaniel knows. It's one of those encounters by which, in, in chapter 1, verse 49, if Nathaniel could have put it into our words, he would have stood there and looked at Jesus and said, Wow! I can't believe that you know this about me. In his own words, it came out like this. You are the son of God and you are the king of Israel. In other words, only God can know these things about me. And Nathaniel is like, how did you know that? Because you just blew my mind with your ability to, to know things about me. And Jesus leans in and he says in verse 50, you believe this because I told you that I saw you under a fig tree. And then he adds these words. You shall see greater things than this. In other words, just about the time you think that God has blown your mind with what he knows about you and what he wants to accomplish in you, he leans in and he says, you haven't seen anything yet. I've got greater plans for you than that. And here's what you need to know is that this is how Jesus always deals with us. Here's a statement for you to write down. With Jesus, greater things are always ahead of us. I'm sorry, I'm hot. You add a lot of heat to this building. Greater things are always ahead of us with Jesus. Jesus has done some great things within our lives. We look at our testimony and we see what he's done and how he's led us and what he's accomplished. And, and we recognize that there's great things that he's done. We look around this morning and I want you to know this sight leads us to an understanding that God has done great things and is doing great things in grace assembly. But if you think that this is as good as it gets, you don't know Jesus well because he will always lead us to greater things. 
So we can move forward by faith, trusting that we are a part of a great big story that God is up to and he wants to bring it about in our lives and through our lives, he wants to touch the lives of others. Every day you walk with the Lord, you get these blessings and you think, man, it can't get better than this. You read the word and God speaks to you directly into something. You're going, man, it can't get any better than this. And I want you to know you're on a journey that gets better and sweeter every day of your life because with Jesus, greater things are always ahead of you. The second thing that I'd like you to write down this morning is this. You were invited into the great big story of God. You were invited into the great big story of God. Before we get down to the end of this where we zoom in on what God is doing here, I would like to zoom back for a moment and take a look at a big picture. And to do this, you have to go back 4,000 years to a guy named Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it states this. And the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. One of the things that I love the most about this verse is I just sat down and began to jot down all of the times that God said, I will, after he says, I need you to obey. There are six times in this verse that God says, I will. I love it when we enter into an endeavor when God is already saying, I will. How about you? And so he begins to speak to Abram and he says, here's what I need you to know. I need you to lead and begin to walk in obedience. And then he begins to list all these things. He tells him, I'm going to take you to a new land. He tells him, I'm going to make you a great nation. He says, you're going to become famous. And then God says, I'm going to do something that is so huge and so massive through you, Abraham, as you join my story, that it's going to bless the whole world. God is on a mission. It's the same mission that he's been on since the beginning of time. All the way up to today. And here it is. God's mission is that he wants to bless the whole world. Any one of you that are sitting here today are not excluded from the blessing of God. So here's what has been going on up to Genesis chapter 12. Very briefly, God made a perfect world and we messed it up. But God looked at our mess and he decided not to leave us in our mess. And so he is stepping in through the promise of Abraham. And he says, Abraham, because of what I'm going to do in you and what I'm going to do through you, this great big mission that I've got is going to bless the world and I'm going to clean up the mess that you have created. And so God begins to tell him, I'm going to work through you and it's through your descendants. I'm going to bring about something that's going to bless the whole world and clean up the mess and I will get the glory through it all. Now, for those of you that actually, how many of you actually carry a real paper Bible with you anymore? There's several of you. If you look at that, you can reach your fingers around Genesis all the way to Malachi, and you recognize that that story is a pretty thick part of your Bible. And if I was to boil down the whole Old Testament uh, survey into three things, it would be God was talking about creating a people, Israel, leading them to a place, the promised land, and that he was going to bless the world through them. This isn't just about Abraham, and it's not just about Israel. It was that God had a great big story that he wanted to bless the world through. 
And we look at that today from where we are, and here's where we jump in. We get to John 3.16, and for those of you that are going to be watching the football games in a little while, there's always somebody sitting in the end zone with a John 3.16 sign. And whenever the, the ball goes through the uprights, you see them there. And we all know it because it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we think somehow that the story starts there. Because that may have been where it started for us. However old you were when you came to the realization that we needed forgiveness from our sins. And we discovered that Jesus alone was the just payment for our sins. We all know the story of John 3.16. And here's what we know. God loves me. I received him. And I get to go to heaven. And that's my story. But that's not the whole story. That's just a very part of a much bigger story. Because you see, the story of redemption is this. Redemption means how God sets his people free to enjoy life his way. Redemption means how God sets his people free to enjoy life his way. How many of you want to enjoy life? Let me try that one more time. <clears throat> how many of you want to enjoy life? Wonderful. That looked unanimous to me. I believe with all of our heart that there are some circles that believe that when they come to Christ, they give up the ability to enjoy life. That God is somehow going to lead them into places where it's going to be boring and drawn out and, and there'll be no fun and no happiness. And I want you to know it's exactly the opposite of that when you join God's great big story. He's got other things and longs to lead us in. And as we obey him, he will take us and redeem us so that we can be free to enjoy life his way. So if I was to put the entire Bible into six words, this is the box and how it would look. You can take a look at that. It's creation, the fall, Israel, the church, or Jesus, the church, and forever. And we look at this and we recognize, okay, we know that creation was in Genesis, the fall was there, the rest of it's about Israel, and then Jesus comes in as we get to the New Testament, and then there's the church age and forever, and in this great big story of God, where do you think we come in in this? We come in in the church age. In fact, if this was a movie, you're walking into almost the end of it, because I believe that we're very, very close to the forever part. Now, I don't know if any of the, you have ever had this happen, but you come into your house, maybe it's a Friday night, and you know, hey, that's movie night for the family, and you come walking in, and you discover they did not wait for you. And everybody is sitting on the couch, and they're eating popcorn, and you sit down in a movie that they've been watching for an hour. And as you get to it, you're seeing characters, you're going, who's that? And they're going, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> well, what's going on? Are, are they a couple in there? Shh, gosh. Why did she look at him like that? Oh, you don't understand because nobody wants to tell you the rest of the story while they're in the middle of the story. And after a while, you begin to recognize that you're going to have to go back and watch the whole thing all over again just to catch up with what's going on. I believe that for most people in 2018, life is this way. We are walking into the end of a movie and are lost about what life is really about. There are people that think life is all about them. It's all about me and what I can do. And life is so hard for so many because you're trying to make this story about you and it's not. It's about what God is doing in order to bless the world. And when you get in on that, and when you understand that God is inviting us to be a part of his great big story, then the rest of life begins to make more sense. 
and we begin to see where we fit into it. And so when you look at the great big picture, we see that we are very close to the very end of this story, but God is giving us a chance. And all this time, God has been moving to bless the world, and he's inviting people in on it. And the Bible is full of stories of people who said yes to the invitation to join God in his great big story. Now, as you read your Bible, you'll recognize that the characters that he invited in are not perfect. In fact, they sound a whole lot more like us than we care to believe. Some of them are even worse because you wouldn't even have them as role models. But we can look at them as people who said that I'm going to trade my story for God's story because they had the promise of greater things by joining God's story. And this is what Abraham did. The guys in the New Testament did. This is what we at Grace Assembly are doing. We are being given the chance today to say, I'm trading in my story to join the greater story of what God is wanting to do to bless the world. And we have a chance to join his story. Jot this down. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise to bless the world. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise to bless the world. When you look at the whole story of things, you begin to recognize that John 3.16 is only significant because it was set up by Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. That's the verse that set up everything that's going on today because Abraham said yes to joining God's great big story. And thirdly, you can jot this down in your notes as you would for a third point. You can trade lesser things for greater things. You can trade lesser things for greater things. You have the option today. You can make life all about you. You can make it about your comfort. You can make it about your things, your stuff, your security, your job, your freedom. But if you do, you will have made your story way too small. Way too small. As long as you are at the center of every decision, your story will always be about lesser things. Because today God is offering you the option to join his story and to trade your lesser desires for his greater things. He said, I know the plans I have for you. And they include a glorious future, but you must trade your story for mine. So if you've been with us for the last five weeks, you know the first Sunday we talked about you were created for significance that God has placed qualities in you that he will call out of you at just the moment that he needs them. You might not even recognize them about yourself, but God will call them out of you. The second week, we talked about you were created for a divine partnership, that God has literally fastened himself and buckled himself to you, and that when he brings you to the edge of the plane, he will say, I've got total control of this, but the one thing that I cannot do and I will not do for you is I won't jump. You must jump, but when you do, I've got this. Thirdly, we were talking about how we were created for this climb of faith. Only God sees both sides of the mountain. And that as you are walking up one side of the mountain and you're huffing and you're puffing and you're exerting energy and you're wondering what life is all about, God is bringing provision up the other side. And the more you keep moving, the moment comes when you begin to collide with the provision of God because you made it to the place where God wanted you to go. Last week, we talked about you were created for the harvest. I don't know how many of you saw that board, but at the end of the second service, that thing was literally loaded 
loaded with tags of names that each of you wrote and put on it. And yesterday, during our prayer, when we came together, so many people walked over and were laying hands. I want you to know the people that God has laid upon your heart are being prayed for because we want them to be a part of God's great big story. And we will not give up until they are. But we were created for this harvest. God has created the church to be the hope of the world. You are somebody's hope. Who's your one? And then today, you're created for more than ever. For greater things, God has created you for. And you have an important role in the building of God's great big story. This is who we are, and this is who we want to be as a church. We want to be so in love with Jesus that we cannot be satisfied with lesser things. Here's what he asks of us, and you can jot this down. Loving Jesus with all your heart and blessing the world with all you've got. Loving Jesus with all your heart and blessing the world with all you've got. Just so you know, as your pastor, this is what I'm committed to doing. As a church, this is who we want to be. Now, we don't always do it perfectly, but here's what we are holding ourselves to as far as accountability. Being a church that is a group of people that is circled around Jesus, blessing the world together. You see, if we're a group of people and we're not circled around Jesus, then we're not a church. And if we're not blessing the world, then we're not a church. We need to be circled around Jesus and blessing our world. That is what I believe God is calling Grace Assembly to in our community in the world. He wants us to circle him and as a church bless our world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And this mindset plays out in a thousand decisions that we have to make every day. Now our goal when we started this is that there would be 100% of us that would embrace this fully. 100% of loving Jesus with all your heart and blessing the world with all you've got. And for the last several weeks, I know that you've been praying. I've had different people call me and talk to me and have conversations about what it was that the Holy Spirit was beginning to lay upon their heart and, and how he was, he was beginning to prompt them with impressions of what obedience would look like. And for some of you, it was certain amounts of money that you felt the impression of the Spirit to give. You believe that God was leading you to participate into this glorious future, and we all understand that we're not after equal gifts, but we're after equal sacrifice, and that when we give together, we will be in unity. But today, the spirit that has deposited this impression upon your heart about what obedience looks like and what this goal should be for you is waiting for you to take a step of faith and begin to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to write this down as my pledge. I'm going to trust you for more than ever. I'm going to give a greater offering than I've ever given before because I want to be a part of your great big story. And what you need to know is that when you obey, your obedience activates the provision of God in your life. He's got it waiting. He said, I know the plans. I know the glorious future. I just need you to take a step of faith so I can activate the provision for you. So I encourage you today not to hesitate from obeying the Spirit's prompting. Don't give yourself room to look around and say, hmm, there are enough people here that my involvement or lack of involvement is not going to make a difference. My gift is not needed or it's not necessary. The moment you do that, you say, well, you know what? I am more interested in a lesser things kind of life than I am a greater things kind of life. Really? Would you rather be a lesser things type of person or would you join into the story of God's great big love for everybody 
and understand that he's got greater things for you. I beg you today, don't do that to yourself. And listen to me, parents. If you're a parent, please don't model a lesser things kind of mindset for your children. When I was in high school, my home church of Central Assembly in Springfield, Missouri, was building a new sanctuary. They wanted to build one that would seat about 2,000 people. And I remember coming home from the service and sitting down with my mom and dad, and I was just getting ready to go to college. My sister's behind me, and, and it was a time in our life as a family where we were thinking how tight things would be, but there was never, ever a question in my family and my mom and dad that we weren't going to participate I remember years before when we had first moved to Missouri, there was a friend of my dad's that said, hey, there's a lake that's going to be developing around there, and if you want to get on the ground floor, you might want to buy some of the lots there. And so my dad had invested in a couple of very cheap lots at the time, and that development had begun to take place, and suddenly those lake lots had grown to be quite valuable. In fact, my parents always thought maybe we'll retire there someday and be there. And I remember as a family sitting around and having the discussion of what we were going to do, and the Holy Spirit began to drop into my dad and mom's heart the impression that, you know what, I think, I think what we need to do is that sign the deed of these properties over to the church because while we may not have the cash to participate, God led us to these years ago. Maybe it was for this specific purpose. And as a family, we did that. Signed them over so that the church could sell those properties and we could participate. My sisters and I to this day will all tell you that being a participant in that, we recognized at a very early age and in a formative time that our family was never going to be about lesser things, but mom and dad were going to lead us to understand that when you join the great big story of God, there's greater things out there that are far more worthwhile of our attention than having things. I've had an opportunity to go back and preach in that church a couple of times, and I smile every time I do, recognizing that the fruits of the reward of everything that church does, we get to be a part of because we got to participate in God's great big story. And so parents, be careful how you model before your children what you're going to do. The world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets lesser and lesser. And today I want to call you to greater things. So here's the choice for us at Grace Assembly. I want to go back and start where we started this at the beginning of Abraham's story and I want to connect the dots for this experience and for all of us so that we can make a choice in a few minutes for how we are going to join God. When God invited Abraham on his story, the two things that God asked Abraham to do were this. Leave and go. Leave and go. That's all Abraham had to do. And God said, it's going to be my story. I'm going to make the people happen. I'm going to make the place happen. I'm going to make the purpose happen. I just want you to be willing to trade in your story and join my story. Will you leave your story and go out into mine? Will you leave your lesser story to join my great big story? And this is the choice that we have to make to leave our comfort zones, to launch into this new adventure of trust with the Lord. I wish I could have some guest speakers here today like uh, Abraham, Moses, Daniel, David, Ruth, Esther. Peter, Paul, John, and ask them the question, looking back at that decision, that moment when God invited you into his greater story to leave your lesser story, what was that moment like for you? And looking back on it, are you glad you said yes? Because I can't imagine any one of them would say, boy, I made a bad decision. I would say, every one of them would say, yes, best decision I ever made in my life was to say yes to God's story. 
So God is still on a mission. He's still inviting us to trade our story for his. And as we have been over the past several weeks, we've been talking about some of the stories of the people within our church. And I want to introduce you as we wrap this up today to this video where we learn about the Leon family. I'm Fredo. And I'm Jen. And we have two boys, Giancarlo and Soriano. Um, we were brought here actually by the Coulters. Their daughter Samantha and I worked together. And uh, I came one night for a women's ministry event and I loved it. And we started dating and we, we came for a couple weeks. Then we stopped coming. And we actually started listening to Pastor Doug's um, podcasts for about two or three months before we came to Grace the second time. Um, after we had our two boys, we really wanted to come back, and what brought us back was actually the downstairs. We remembered how beautifully painted it was, and we wanted to come somewhere where our kids would have a good time. For me, it was uh, the people. Um, when I came in here, I just felt uh, a lot of love, warmth, and, and just a sense of peace and ease. I thought this was a great place to bring my kids, and so now I want to give them the opportunity to come to know the Lord and, and to grow. I, as soon as I started seeing my kids and, and the way they were coming home and just the joy and just my growth with Jesus and, and hers and, and, our, and our growth together as husband and wife, like it was just, we can't leave. This is where he wants us. And it's also the connections. There's just something when you get here, you're like excited to be here, you're happy to be here. I don't know how to explain that to somebody except like, come here and try it and then you'll see. Before I started coming to church, I always thought, I don't have time for church, I'm busy. And now I see that we plan vacations, family events, everything. We plan things around it, we don't like to miss it. And the kids will ask like, when are we going to church again? And they ask every day, every morning, is it church day? No. Ugh. Is it church day? No. <laughs> yep. And then when it's church day, they're like excited. I became involved because I enjoy helping people. I was able to um, go into the ranger kids and just mentor those boys and love on those boys. I'm just an involved type <laughs> of person. I like to be involved. So, you know, doing the classes, teaching the daisies. I hope that, you know, what we instilled upon them they could pass on to future generations and, and that's ultimately the goal that um, I think that Jesus wanted us to do is to spread the gospel and I think it starts with the kids and it just continues and progresses and I think that's important. Part of why I was such a big proponent of getting involved too is like you're not going to know or meet anybody if you don't get involved. Building those relationships outside of church is what makes it a family. I'm not just coming here to see my friends. I'm literally building relationships, spending time with them. I just think that building relationships, is, it's, it's key, I mean, to making the church grow. And, and when you build those relationships, you're, you're, you're building a family, and, and, and that's what it's about, you know. I feel like for me, like, it's family, you know. Like if, I, if I could call on you, I can count on you, you can count on me. It's just that accountability, it's just that love. I, I, I'm 
just excited about all of it. I'm excited to like have a bigger space. There's so many more things that we can be doing that we are, we're limited here. Now I like look around, I'm like, wow, like there's a lot of people here. Like the parking lot's filled, you know? And I'm excited because I think of all the lot more lives that we're gonna be able to touch. The extra space, there's going to be more opportunity um, for other ministries um, to so that we can do outreach, more um, growth, and I think it's I think Grace is going to do big things. I truly do, and that's why I, I believe strongly in, in, in the direction that we're going. For me, it's, it's just being a family, and that's why I feel about Grace. They're just family. It's about to get exciting because here's what's about to happen. We have a children's worship team that's going to be coming up in a moment, and they're going to lead us in a song, and our children are going to be the first ones to come. They've been collecting money in cans, and we're expecting like a million dollars in change <laughs> from our kids. Uh, and so, it, it, come on down, kids. Come on down. They're going to put it right along the front here. service. Is that what it is? <laughs> All right. Well, this song is called Celebrate, and we can celebrate who God is and what he's doing in our lives and in this church. Amen. Here we go. You, I want to celebrate. You, I want to celebrate. I got joy singing in my soul. Turn me up like a radio. I can't keep it to myself.
Can you feel the excitement? <laughs> Take a good look at those kids. That's the leaders of the church we're building right there. Some of you that look at your children and grandchildren and wonder, can anything good come out of them? I want you to know God's anointing is resting upon their life. And there's some phenomenal, phenomenal things that God is going to accomplish. I'm going to ask now that you would take those envelopes that you've been sitting on all Sunday and that you would open it up and take it out. And I'm going to ask that the first thing you would do is just write your name and address and email on that. Don't fill out an amount yet, but just, just fill out that part if you would. Some of you were early. When you have finished that, I'm going to ask that you would just take this card and that you would just hold it up. Because in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to have three minutes of just quiet music playing as families get together. And you begin to act on the promptings of the Holy Spirit that God has been leading us through these past several weeks. Everybody keeps asking me, Pastor, how long till we get into our new building? I'll let you know after today. <laughs> that, that literally can be determined by how obedient you are to the Lord today. Was that? I didn't mean that to sound guilt, like a guilt trip. Just to, like, let's pray. <laughs> Father, we hold in our hand the ability to say yes to your great big story to trade our lesser story and join your big story, which includes being able to share the good news that Jesus is the blessing to the world. We recognize that your Holy Spirit speaks to each of us, and through these last several weeks, and for some of us months, we've been praying for this moment right here, the moment where we determine whether we will be obedient to the promptings of the Spirit, regardless of how much it may scare us in the physical, but today, just like Abraham, you're saying, I need you to leave and go. May we leave our story and join yours in a brand new dimension. As we're climbing a mountain, recognizing that what you're asking us to do, you're bringing provision into our life to accomplish it. You just need us to trust you. And so I ask that over these next three minutes, oh God, you would lead us for your glory so that Grace Assembly can be a light in a dark world and tell people that Jesus can change their life and their eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.